Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. What a day to be alive. It is officially March. Gosh, thank goodness February is gone. I'm a February hater. You guys know that. I've talked about that before. I will stand by that for the rest of my life. Unless I'm in Hawaii or Bali or just somewhere where there's no snow, it's sunny all day, every day, and I'm on a beach, I'm probably always going to hate February. So if you are listening to this and you are from the International Coalition for February Lovers, I am sorry, but you are going to be really offended by everything I just said. Regardless, we made it. It's March. See you never February. And you are here at the podcast, at my podcast called Candid with Carrie. I'm your host, Carrie Lipper Gillespie. I'm happy you're here today and it's going to be a fun one as always. I mean, I'm biased. It's my show. I always try and make it fun. I think I'm fun. Maybe you think I'm lame. Either way, here you are and I'm glad you're here. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different and different in the best way possible because I tend to do my pop culture trending topics and, you know, my rants and raves by myself. And then I have the second part of the show that has an interview with a female in media, highlighting her, what she's doing, hearing about her story. But today's guest just so happens to be so plugged in to the pop culture realm that I decided to have her come along and do the trending topics portion of the show with me. So I got to have a co-host for going through the pop culture topics, talking about the content I'm consuming. And it was really fun. For me personally, I thought it was really fun. I hope you guys also enjoy hearing her takes on it because if you like pop culture, if you like the trending topics portion of the show, you are going to love her and love her content. I'm talking about Morgan P. Talks. That's probably how you know who she is from Instagram, from TikTok. That is what she goes by at Morgan P. Talks. And she is a pop culture queen, much like myself. And she does a lot of Bravo content. If you are a housewife, girly you're gonna love her content she's also really up on summer house on the bachelor she also sticks her toes into just other basic pop culture trends so she's good for all of that as well but i'm telling you if you're a bravo girl um morgan is your gal and you are going to love her content and gonna love her on tiktok and on instagram so go check her out we will leave links to all of her stuff in the show notes But like I said, we had her along for the trending topics portion of the show, and we also did an interview with her talking about her career, which was really, really fun to hear about. Now, because this is a little different and she came along for all those aspects of the show, we did the interview portion with her first. And I did that so that you guys could get a better feel for who she is. A lot of you probably follow her on Instagram, but if you don't, you get to hear about her story and more about how she got to be in the business and her journey there first. And then we do the trending topics after that interview. So the outline of the show is going to be a little bit backwards from what we normally do. I swear to God, you guys, I could have talked to her for probably hours and hours and hours just because we are like the same shit, like for lack of a better term, like we're cut from the same cloth. Like we find pop culture interesting and informative and we think that it says something about our culture as a whole. And I think that that is fun to explore. And there's a lot of really serious things going on in the world. I don't want to gloss over that. I'm not an idiot. I watch the news. I know what's going on in Ukraine. It is devastating. And it's important that we're plugged into those things and aware of what's going on. But I also just want to give you guys a a reminder here that this podcast, for the most part, is meant to be entertainment based. And it's meant to lift you up, make you laugh, um, educate you and entertain you about what's going on in the world and share stories with other females in the media space. So that's what we're going to do here. That's our aim. That's always going to be our aim. And that doesn't negate the fact that there's heavy shit going on in the world and we should all take 
the time to understand that and and know about what's going on, know how we can help, know what led to it, educate ourselves on the history of the world and, and what led us to get to where we are. But also take care of yourself and your mental health as well. I personally have to limit the amount of news time I have. I do watch the news every day to know what is going on, to keep up on things. I watch what I need to watch. Usually it's BBC because that's an international type of news or Al Jazeera or something from an international perspective. I watch it, I find out what's going on, and then I usually have to walk away because too much of it and too much spin, whether it's one way or the other, really, really like gets and grinds on my mental health. And I have to, you know, protect that for the most part. So I really encourage y'all to do that in, in any way that you can. It goes without saying, of course, but my thoughts and all of my well wishes are going to the people of Ukraine and everything that is going on there right now is absolutely devastating and horrible. And I wish and pray every night for peace and, and for this to to end and for those that are, you know, in the crosshairs and in the most vulnerable situations to be safe and to be able to go back to their lives peacefully as they wish. So I am thinking about them. I am thinking about it all throughout all of the content that I put out that is goofy and silly and meant to be lighthearted. It does not mean that I and other content creators who do this type of work are not tuned into what else is going on in the world. Just keep that in mind. All right, you guys, all those public service announcements out of the way. Let's get into today's episode. Morgan, I'm so excited to chat with you. How's it going? Great. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited, especially when you told me everything that your pop your podcast covers. I'm like, oh, this is a perfect fit for me to come on and be a guest, actually. <laughs> Yay! I'm I'm jazzed to chat with you. I've been following your content on, I think I found you on Instagram first, but I know that you're also big on TikTok. And then you have your own podcast as well. So I've been following you like for a while now and I love your content. You do a great job with everything. Oh, well, thank you. Let's start at the beginning. I always like to set the stage for listeners. Tell us where you grew up and what you were like as a child. I grew up in Northeast Ohio. Uh, That's actually where I am right now. So I grew up a little bit outside of Cleveland. Um, I was always like a a girly tomboy growing up, I would say. You know, I was my dad's mini me, always going to sports games and stuff. But I also was very into entertainment. I was always singing, acting, you know, in all of the church plays and all of the school plays, like anything that I could be in, I was in. And when I was little, I wanted to be a singer. And then uh, I moved to West Virginia, went to school there. And that's when I got my broadcast journalism degree. And I ended up in radio. Very long story about how I ended up on a morning radio show, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that's what I was like growing up. So it's so funny that you mentioned you're from Ohio because I am born and raised in Wisconsin, like central Wisconsin. And so we're Midwesterners. Yep. And I always felt similar to what you said. I felt a pull towards movies and and acting and singing and things like that. And for me, it was because where I grew up that like we were the farthest in Mm -hmm. the world away from Hollywood, you know? So I, even as a child, like I glamorized Hollywood so much. And I've had some people on the podcast who, one woman who grew like born and raised in LA, she's like, yeah, I became an actor because it, it was all I knew. And I'm like, I got into TV because it was the opposite of what I knew. Right. And I liked that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is yours something similar to that? You were captivated by it because it was so different from what you knew. Yeah, well, I just feel like, you know, in Northeast Ohio, all it does is snow. And like I said at the time, you know, it's well, it was LeBron James City. So it's like snow and LeBron James was what you got out of Cleveland, Ohio. 
And, you know, I always was just enthralled. I mean, my parents like to tell this story when I was three. They thought somebody broke into the house because it's like midnight and they hear the TV on downstairs. And they're like, my three-year-old daughter is in her crib sleeping. Like, who is downstairs? So my dad grabs the baseball bat. He starts walking down the steps. And it was just three-year-old Morgan. I had turned the TV on and I was watching Jay Leno's late night talk show. And they're like, what three-year-old climbs out of their crib to watch Jay Leno in the middle of the night? So they always knew that I wanted to be, you know, in media, in TV. And uh, like you were saying about LA, I just never, um, maybe maybe it was a lack of self-confidence, honestly, that I didn't want to leave my family and go out on a whim, you know, because a lot of people do go to LA in the hopes and dreams to make it. But I found opportunities here in my hometown to talk about pop culture and work on a morning radio show. And of course, now with the social media stuff. So, you know, I've made my my entertainment dreams. Of course, I still have more come true, but without having to leave my hometown. Yeah, no. And you just said something so like pivotal and important, like I you know, I was a nineties baby and like in the nineties, yeah, if you wanted to be in showbiz, like you had to get your butt to LA Mm -hmm. and, and boots on the ground, like do it. Like you do not have to do that anymore. Like you can Mm -hmm. be, you know, I'm in Kansas city right now. I'm born and raised in Wisconsin. You're, you know, in the Midwest as well. It's like you, you're, it's going to, it's going to look different. You might not be on the red carpet at the SAG awards, but like you are still a force in the entertainment industry with what you're doing from your phone because of social media. Yeah, it's awesome. And I mean, it saved me a lot of money not having to move to LA. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I visit LA a lot. I get, sometimes I get work out there. I just go see friends out there and it like, it can just, like chew you up and spit you back out. And I'm not so sure that like, if I did go out there as like an 18 year old, like I, it probably would have been like, oh, we're not in Kansas moment anymore. And I probably would have yeah. like, I probably would have came home with like my tail between my legs, but the fact that I'm older now, more confident in myself, like less, you know, bright eyed at everything around me, it's been good for me. Yeah. And like you said, social media has completely changed the game. So that's where kind of my path has led me to. So when you first went to college, you were like, I'm going to get a broadcast degree in your brain. What was what was what you were going to do? Because when I went to college, it was like, I'm going to be the next Aaron Andrews. Like I'm going to be a sports reporter. I was your sports reporter for a little bit, but I have transitioned since then. But I feel like a lot of people go into broadcast and they have like a picture in their mind of what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, I always, well, I thought about doing sports and because you know, the, the industry will always be there and you don't have to worry about job security or whatever. But then I was like, you know, I, I enjoy sports like as a fan and I don't ever really want to make that my work, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with that mindset, but that was just my mindset. But I thought I was going to do like, uh, you know, TV reporting. And that's really what my senior year was. My capstone was pretty much working in a news station, you know, doing the live shots by yourself and doing packages every week. And I hated it. I hated it. And I'm like, well, now I'm screwed because I have this broadcast journalism degree and I have no idea what I want to do with it. And it just was not my personality, you know, very serious. um, Just I mean, you know, turn on the news and you'll know what I'm talking about. So I I strangely wound up interning on a morning show. Uh, not in Cleveland, but just outside of Cleveland at a very small radio station in a city called Menor. I mean, very small. And I guess you could say that's when the radio bug kind of bit me. Uh, And to make a really long story short, I mean, I've done every 
shift under the sun overnights, early mornings, afternoons, evenings, you know, all of it I have done. Uh, But now I'm working on a morning show here in Cleveland. It's the pop culture station. So we're always talking about the Kardashians, Justin Bieber, you know, we play that type of music, Billie Eilish, Ariana Grande. So I'm just so grateful that that door even ever opened up for me because it just fit my personality so much better. And I mean, radio jobs specifically are very few and far between. I mean, even with my radio job now, our company has four stations here in Cleveland. And, you know, the full time possibilities for each station range from three people, you know, to maybe 10 people on like a talk station. But I mean, think about that physician, not a lot. And especially with the pandemic, it's gotten worse. Mm -hmm. So I'm just grateful that I that I was able to get in when I could, because I really do enjoy it. It's early. I I started 6 a.m., which is rough. But hey, pros and cons to everything in life. (laughs) It's funny you say that the radio bug bit you because I also like got my feet wet in radio. And it was a similar situation where like the tiny little radio station, my hometown, I got to be an intern there. And I tell people, sometimes I'll have people come up to me and they're like, I want to be on TV. I want to be a reporter. I want to do this. And I wanted that. And I always encourage people to start in radio because Mm -hmm. in radio, the only thing you have to worry about is your voice Mm -hmm. and how you sound. I'm like on TV, you have to worry about your posture, how you're sitting, how you're standing, what your hair is doing, what your face is like. I mean, like, you know, I, I tell young people, I'm like, dip your toes in radio because literally you just hone in on your voice and you get so good at your voice and then go to TV and add the other parts to it. Yep. Um, but people who just want to get on TV right away, I'm like, dude, just pump the brakes a little <laughs> because it, you know, just being solid in your voice and how you deliver things is a skill. And in radio, that's all you got. Like, I mean, you, you go to work every day. I'm sure you don't put a full face of makeup on. I'm sure oh, you don't. Absolutely not. Yeah. There's only one other person that sees me. So I'm like, this is me. Take it or leave it, buddy, because I'm not dressing up for you. <laughs> yeah. But you just, all you have to do is have your delivery down, have your personality yeah. down and there's something so valuable in that. And you're so confident now and strong in that now, like you could go on TV and do stuff because you have that foundation. Yeah. And it really has helped me shift into the social media aspect of it. You know, like if you would have said to me even like three years ago, like Morgan, you'd have this online following. I'd been like, no, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like I just never would have ever crossed my mind. But now I literally take what I do every single morning and I just repurpose it for social media. And I feel like it is more natural to me because I've been doing it for so long in radio. So I agree with you. Radio is a great place for people to get their start in broadcasting. Like I said, it's hard because especially in pandemic world, the jobs are very few and far between. But if you can get it and you get it with a station that you like, you're going to have a great time. It's one of the most fun jobs that you could possibly have. That kind of leads into my next question, which was how did you, you know, parlay your radio gig into what you're doing on social media? Because there's a lot of people in radio who have the afternoon drive or, you know, whatever it is, and and they don't take it any further than just their, you know, three to six. You know, they just right. take, you know, they do their job there and they they kind of just let it go there. What what made you decide that you were gonna, as you said, repurpose your content and your platform is is huge now because of that? I had no plan to do it whatsoever. And even when I started doing it, I didn't do it with the intention to grow a following. 
I did it because we were fresh into the pandemic. It's when TikTok really started to take off. You know, everybody was on it, but nobody really got it. You know, yeah. it was like just dancing videos and like weird stuff here, weird stuff there. And I just remember one day and I don't know what what made me do it, but I'm like, I'm going to make a TikTok about the housewives, like rules that the housewives had to follow that you didn't know about. And it blew up immediately. And I was like, huh, you know, this is something that because specifically on the morning show, I, you know, research and report the pop culture stories. So I'm I'm writing anywhere from 10 to 15 stories every single day. And then what do I do with them when I get home? Nothing. So I remember I was broadcasting from home. We, we weren't allowed to go into the station. I live alone. Um, my boyfriend he he lives in London right now. He's here right now. He's in the other room. But uh, during pandemic time, we weren't able to see each other. So I was very alone and isolated and depressed like a lot of us. And I was just looking for maybe another creative outlet. And so when I started repurposing what I was doing on the morning show on my TikTok, I didn't any, I did not even know the possibilities. I really didn't. I was like, this is just fun. I'm bored. Like I like seeing people comment on my stuff because it gives me people to talk to, you know, about Bravo and the bachelor or whatever. And I just, I enjoyed doing it so much that it didn't really feel like work to me, which it is, you know, people will be rude in the comments to you all day long about how, Oh, like this isn't work or get a real job. Like it might be a fun job, but it is a real job because you're using a lot of your, you know, mental capacity or emotional capacity or spending your time and energy on things. But it didn't feel like work, which is why I think I've been able to grow as much as I have in just a little over a year because I'm passionate about doing it. And I look forward to doing it every day. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think Ryan Bailey says this on his podcast often, but he's like, look, I have a podcast. Yeah. But even if I didn't have a podcast, like I'd still be talking about this shit because I just really yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But when you can find that sweet spot, it's like, it's really cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I can make money by talking about the Kardashians online, I'm going to do it. <laughs> As you should, like, right, right. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I really found your content. I think, you know, on Instagram, I found one of your um, housewives videos, which I, I love. And I think, you know, when I think of like a housewives expert, like you're one of the first people I think of, I think of you for housewives for the bachelor. And then of course, uh, you know, other Bravo shows like summer house and things like that. Did you consciously make, make a decision to like make those your brand? You do talk about other pop culture stuff, but you really, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're an encyclopedia when it comes to housewives. (laughs) Yeah. I love reality TV. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, that's just kind of where my path led because I feel more connected to, to the people on reality TV, you know, because it's not, I mean, some would argue that it is scripted. I don't know. I've never been cast on a reality TV show, so I can't confirm or deny, but I feel like I enjoy watching shows that, that have real life situations and I'm watching the show and I'm feeling like I can connect with one, two, three of the characters. I feel like they're my friends, you know, and I think that's why I'm more passionate about the reality TV pop culture space than anything else. And it's like you said, I still will cover it, but I just feel like, especially with social media in today's day and age, like you're watching these people on TV, then you make video about it. And then they're commenting on your video about it. And you're like, what is going on? 
So it's it's kind of like a full circle moment, too, because then these reality TV people will start sliding into your DMs for you to spill the tea and all this stuff. So I just feel like at the end of the day, I gravitated towards reality TV more because I feel more connected to them as like real people. Yeah, no, that's totally true. And I think it's funny that runs the gamut because the Summer House crew compared to like the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, like different crews, but they're like, they're both (laughs) going to give you like something different. You know, we're not Erica Jane or Kyle, you know, in Beverly Hills, but you know, the Paige DeSorbos and the other people, you know, like stuff like that. So it's like, it really does run the gamut of like what you're going to encounter and really commentate on. It's wild out there. Let me tell you that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How do you discern? I was thinking of this when I was like getting ready to to interview. I was like, how do you discern like what you watch for fun and like what you watch to like have content to talk about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think that's why it's so seamless is because what I watch for fun is what I watch to have content on. Um, I will say that now that my boyfriend is here. He doesn't like to watch all housewives all the time, which is what I would do if he wasn't here. Uh, so we're watching different stuff like, um, yellow jackets. Have you seen that show? So good. I know I'm really late to the party. I think it came out last year, but it's really good. And even shows like love is blind. I'm so behind on it because I have a million housewives shows and a bachelor, which is eight hours long, every episode so long. I'm like, there's only so many hours in the week. So I'm trying to get through Love is Blind. But normally if I'm reporting on it, I'm also enjoying it while I'm watching. Can I ask what your all-time favorite Housewives franchise is? Oh, it's so hard because it changes like with the seasons um, because there's so many iconic seasons for different franchises. But I will say there's one Housewives franchise that sparked my love for the rest. So I think that that means it has to be my favorite and it's Beverly Hills. Yes. Because really, I first started watching Vanderpump Rules and the very first episode of Vanderpump Rules that I watched was when they did the crossover with you know, the Beverly Hills housewives. Yes. So that's how I got on the housewives train. Cause I've loved Vanderpump Rules from the beginning. Like I said, they were these broke struggling oh. wannabe actors and waitresses. I mean, I know it's changed completely now, Yeah. but my friends and I would be like, Oh, this is such us like in college, you know, yeah. like just trying to get by. So once I started watching Beverly Hills, that's when I started watching all the other franchises. I totally agree with you. Beverly Hills is probably my favorite. I love Potomac. Those ladies like are just a great crew. I love Karen. Um, But I think back to like the iconic Beverly Hills season. And the one I think about when I like go back is the one with the Munchausen's like that season is iconic. So many, so many, like, I don't know. It was like a lot of drama and like some of it was serious drama. And then like some of it was just dumb bullshit. Like Lisa, Lisa Brenna, like specifically that season of Beverly Hills is like just so iconic to me. I loved that cast. I really miss Eileen. She was one of my favorite housewives. Same. And I also really miss Yolanda. That was one of the top tier Beverly Hills uh, casts for sure. I totally agree. They had a lot of, you know, they ran the gamut of personality traits. And that's the thing, like some of these, you know, these casts, and I think we saw that with OC some, it's like these people, these women are beautiful and rich and should be interesting, but they don't mesh for whatever reason it is. Yeah. And you don't actually know what that like, you know, je ne sais quoi is. And then you get Mm -hmm. like some of those seasons where the ladies are just like, for whatever reason, uh, they balance each other out and they go at it just enough, but not too much. And it's, I don't know what it is. 
It's magic. It really, it really is. And I, I love that you can say it's magic. Cause my, my husband would just be like, that's just trash. And I'm like, no, that's magic. Yeah. Screw what the husbands think. It's definitely magic. Yes. 100%. Well, I would love to hear if you have any like tangible advice to, you know, someone who's maybe coming out of college right now, or someone who just sees what, what you do and is like, I want to talk about pop culture. And like you said, get paid to do it. Like what, what's your tangible advice that you would give to them? Yeah, I would say there's room for everyone and don't compare yourself to other people because especially this industry in general, whether you are in radio or TV or want to be a content creator, you have nothing to do but compare yourself to the people who maybe get the job that you applied for but didn't get. Or, you know, this person has 300,000 followers and I only have 100 or I don't even have any followers like just because somebody has more followers than you doesn't mean that that person is going to be everybody's person. Do you get what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. there are people who will specifically come to me for X, Y, and Z. They might go somewhere else for, you know, celebrity couples or movies or whatever. Um, I just, that's something that I've had to really overcome in the past year is not comparing yourself to other people. Because just because somebody else is succeeding and thriving does not mean that you won't, you know? So I also, in the industry, it's easy to view everyone as your competition when really, when you utilize each other, it helps your platforms grow so much more. And you have other resources available to you that you wouldn't have on your own. You know, that's why, I mean, I'm sure, you know, having people as guests on your podcast, it's like, yes, they're doing the same thing as you essentially, but they're bringing different perspective and they can help you get to where you want to be. So that would be my advice. Just don't look at other people as competition. Instead, use them to grow your relationships, networking tool and learn from them. Yeah, that's great advice. And I couldn't agree with what you said more. I mean, you're not the only like millennial female out there talking about Bravo. Like you're just not, but that still like, I don't follow all those people. Like they come up on my explore page, but like, I still follow you. You know what I mean? And yeah. So what you're saying is completely right. Like it's not always that you're putting a ton of new information out there, but your delivery is Morgan's delivery. Like no one delivers what you, how you deliver and no one like has your opinion. Like that's the best we can do. Yeah. And it's okay if, if somebody prefers somebody else, like it really is that, that doesn't say anything about you now, unless you're going on the internet and you're just trashing people, you know, to be rude, but of course that's not what we're talking about. But just because you're not everybody's person does not mean that you aren't important to your following. So that's, that would be my advice. If you could go back in time and tell your 18 year old self something, what do you think you would tell her? Ooh, that is a good question. I would say that the no's are a no for a reason. You know, if I would have gotten every job that I applied for, if I would have been told yes to everything that I thought I wanted, I would be in a completely and entirely different place in life. And I don't think I would be as happy. You know, like I remember my very first job opportunity was in Marquette, Michigan, which is like, the t- the top, top, top of Michigan, which no shade, you know, if you're living in Marquette, no shade at all. But like, you know, my first job opportunity was, you know, a place where it snowed 10 months out of the year, which it snows here a lot. I live right on Lake Erie. So I'm like 
I'm maxed out on snow, but <laughs> you know, not making a whole lot of money. And I remember wanting to do it so bad because I thought it was my only, I thought it was going to be my only yes. And, you know, after talking to my parents and, and sitting down and really thinking about it, deciding not to go, I'm so glad that I didn't because I would have been miserable. I would have been making no money. And I would have, in the meantime, detoured myself off the path that I was supposed to be on. So I would tell my 18 year old self that your nose are no for a reason and not don't be upset about it. It's just an opportunity to get you one step closer to where you're actually supposed to be. Marquette, I'm familiar. I mean, I'm a Wisconsin girl. Like I, that's like, I mean, that is up there, Morgan. Yeah. My (laughs) seasonal depression would not handle that well. That's what I'm saying. I'm pretty maxed out on the seasonal depression here in the Midwest. So yeah. So thank you to my parents for like making sure I really thought that one through because I was ready to go. I got, I have my snow boots. (laughs) I have my snow pants and I was ready to go do live shots for a news station at two o'clock in the morning. No, I'm just kidding. Is there any big picture goal that, you know, you want to share with everyone that you still have yet to achieve? You know, if you're not comfortable sharing that totally okay, but like, do you want to be on TV? You'd be great on, on TV. Like what, what does the future hold for you? Yeah. I think something I've learned is that I'm, and it's okay if you want to do this, but I don't have a three-year plan and I don't have a five-year plan. I don't have a 10-year plan because like I said, my, my desires and my wants have changed as I get older, as I experience new things. Like I said, I said this earlier, but if you would have ever told me that I would have been like, you know, for lack of a better term, because I don't, I'm not an influencer because I don't really influence people to do things, but a content creator. Okay. Let's put it that way. If you would have said, Morgan, you're going to be a content creator and you're going to have 130,000 followers on TikTok, 45,000 on Instagram. I'd have been like, you're out of your mind. You know, I would have not believed you at all. So I don't like to put myself in a box when it comes to, okay, in five years, I want to be on TV. Would I like to? Of course. But I think there are a lot of different routes that I could take to get there. And I don't want that one track mind of, of only one way to do something. So I would say in five years, what I want, my five-year plan, I want to be able to, you know, still, still be on my social medias doing content creation talking about the things that I love, reality TV and pop culture, and being able to support a future family doing that. That's my goal. You're like wise beyond your years. That's such like a, I, you know I, I know you're, you. you're like a millennial like me or late twenties, but like, that's such like, that's a lot of perspective for someone of your, of our age. I mean, that's, that's impressive. Well, thank you. And it it just has come with a lot of like industry disappointment, you know, because I've been through a lot. I've been rejected a lot. I've been, um, you know, thinking that something was right for me and it ended up not being right for me. So I really just have learned the hard way, honestly, that everything does happen for a reason. And, and you can't, you can't put limits on yourself because what's meant for you will find you whatever way that it is supposed to. All right, Morgan, let's transition into our trending topics. Let's do it. Now, this is the stuff I live for. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we always start with giving like a content update of what usually I just talk about what I'm watching. So this past weekend, we are so late on this train, but we finally started watching Ted Lasso. Have you seen it? You know what? I watched one episode when I was in London uh, with my boyfriend. It was like the first time I had seen him in eight months because of COVID. And we weren't allowed to leave the apartment because I had traveled internationally for like 10 days. We had to stay in his apartment. 
So we made like a huge running list of shows that we were going to watch together. And I watched one episode. We both watched it and we were like, nah. But then he watched, he, he went back and watched it again. And now he's obsessed. So I'm like, uh, we must just not have been in the right mind frame the first time around. So convince me to watch it, Carrie. It's, it's really, it's really good. And honestly, I feel what you're saying so deeply because my best friend back home, Brianna, who's probably going to hear this and like want to scream at me through her phone. She's <laughs> been, she's been telling me for like, since it started, like Carrie, Ted Lasso, she's like, you will like it. It's a feel good show, but it's funny. Like, I really like, can't believe I'm going to say this on, uh, you know, out loud, but I love like cheesy dad jokes. Yeah. And Ted, <laughs> no yeah. shame in the dad joke game. I just admitted that one. <laughs> but Ted Lasso is like the king of like cheesy dad jokes and I die over them. So <laughs> it really is like a feel good show. Hannah Waddingham is such a babe and she's like such like a powerful woman in this role. And it's like a quirky cast and we watched like seven episodes. They're half hour episodes. So, you know, they're digestible and they go quickly. Um, but we, we, both me and my husband were just like, oh, this is, this is good. Like, it's good. I know. I think I have to give it another chance. Yeah. I was just wanting my boyfriend to pay more attention to me than <laughs> Ted Lasso after not seeing each other for eight months. So maybe that's why I was a little uh, flustered at the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that's really the only show that I have. Uh, well, you know, I've been watching Pam and Tommy. Have you been watching that at all? You know what? I I have it on the queue. I haven't watched it because I've actually been watching The Secrets of Playboy. Have you seen that? Yes. Equally as shocking and disturbing. Yes. So I want to get through that before I start watching Pam and Tommy, but it is on my short list. What do you think of Secrets of Playboy? You know, the Holly Madison, you know, she was only in like maybe two episodes. Yeah. But there's it goes so much deeper than her. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's it's just wild. And I grew up pretty sheltered, like in a very sheltered home. So I didn't know a lot about it. Uh, you know, the way I was raised and I'm not saying that this is, you know, an accurate depiction, but it was just something that we didn't, you know, look at, didn't talk about. I didn't know what was in it. I thought it was just like a dirty magazine. And I know that there's more stuff to it now after watching, like, you know, they actually put these in-depth articles and stuff in there. But yeah, I mean, just tons of stuff going on behind the scenes that if you didn't live it, you wouldn't know ever went on there. And I'm just honestly really um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it's really brave of the women that have decided to talk about it on TV, because, you know, even though Hugh Hefner's not here anymore, I'm sure there are tons of powerful people in suits that do not want this kind of stuff out there. But every episode is like it just gets wilder and wilder. Literally, that's a good way to put it. I, I watched, you know, and Holly Madison's episode is traumatic to hear about her experience. But even, you know, on in the last couple of episodes, my mind has been blown at like how dark it was and just how yeah. disgusting and, and really like it. it's yeah, I, that's another one, too, that that I've been watching and am disgusted by. I know it's like it's disgusting, but you can't stop watching it. Like, no, it's because such a good show. I always told myself I didn't want to be one of those people who didn't watch something because it made me uncomfortable because it just makes me uncomfortable because that's gross, but that happens. It's the same thing with like animal abuse. I'm really, I'm a big animal welfare advocate and you know, I, it pains me to watch that stuff, but I, I don't want to shield myself because I know that it happens and like yeah. looking away from it. I mean, the same thing can be said, I mean, to get too deep, but like what's going on in Ukraine, like I want to know because that's the reality. Like, right. 
and sheltering myself from that, like, doesn't make it go away. That's kind of how I feel about secrets of playboy. Like it grosses me out. I'm disgusted, but like, I need to know that stuff like this happens in the world so that mm -hmm. I I'm ready to like pick up on cues. If I ever yeah. see shit like this again. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's just always powerful in general to hear women's stories, especially in today's day and age, you know, we need each other now more than ever. We need, you know, this kind of I don't want to say like representation, but when you watch a show like this and maybe somebody has gone through something similar, it makes people feel a less alone, but also that they can tell their story and not be automatically, you know, branded or labeled as a liar or an attention seeker or whatever, because they're like, no, other people, even in this organization and outside of this organization have gone through the same things, it makes people feel less alone. Yeah, 100%. Any other content that you're watching you want to tell us all about? I mean, I'm tr I'm trying really hard to catch up on Love is Blind. I have like three more episodes. Have you been watching that? So I've watched a couple episodes, but I'm behind as well. I don't, I would love to hear your opinion on this, but my preferred method of consumption is binging. Yeah. Um, and, you know, coming back week after week, in fact, like Salt Lake City, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I... I'm, I waited like now that the reunions happen, like I'm going to binge it all. Like I waited for the season to be over. Because <laughs> I prefer to take it all in that way. Yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, I've watched a couple episodes of love is blind and I need to finish it now that I know like the reunion and everything has happened. I just feel like love is, it's very drawn out. Like it's yeah. 10 episodes. It probably could have been five. I find myself like fast forwarding through a lot of it. And it stinks because it's like, by the time everything got dramatic, which isn't until episode five, six, seven, you know, the, the season finale is out. And now that I'm getting to the dramatic parts, there are spoilers all over the internet. So now yeah. I know what happened. So I'm like, I think I just missed the train on love is blind, but I think there's, it's so long. Every episode is like an hour or over an hour and it's 10 episodes long. I'm like, yeah. this could have been five and done, but I mean, I'm not on the board. So hopefully they hear this podcast and it's take like some constructive those, criticism. It's like one of those, this is a meeting that could have been an email type of thing. Yes. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually kind of hear that. Do you remain spoiler free for like The Bachelor? I try to. Sometimes my curiosity gets the best of me. Um, this season, I think, has been easy because it hasn't been spoiled yet. Yeah. Even if I wanted to be spoiled, like I technically couldn't. But I also I switch it up. Sometimes I look up the winner. Sometimes I don't because I like to see how they edit the winner. And I like to see how they edit like the final four. I just think you can tell early on who the front runners are going to be, but I'm excited. I mean, are you watching this season? Yeah. Yeah. He's I'm obsessed with Rachel. I mean, yeah, obsessed. it's, it's clear. <laughs> it's so clear. Like they're in my head and I'm, you know, I don't think reality Steve has spoiled it or anything like that, but in my head, there's, there's no way that he doesn't choose her unless she like, I'm trying to think of like something she could tell him, but like, I don't think there's anything. I think she could be like, yeah, I have like an extra leg and like three ears and he would still be like, let's go baby. Like <laughs> I feel like the way they're setting it up, that there's going to be some like drama between him and his final rose pick to where they leave not together, but then maybe in the off season, he's like trying to win her back. Yeah. I could see that too. They're teasing the whole, like I've been intimate, which like, can we just, can we say sex on TV? Finally, I know. 2022. <laughs> like the fact that they can't just be like, I like say the word sex is like, right. <laughs> we know. all know what they're talking about. Yes, like, we do. Not a secret. Oh gosh. <laughs>
All right, well, let's uh, let's move into our first topic, which is the a recap of the SAG Awards. How do you feel about award shows? Honestly, I don't want to put it this way, but I'm just going to be, you know, authentic here and what I was yeah. thinking. Like, like, aren't they're just like so 2000? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, who cares? Who really care? I don't care about the Oscars. I don't care about the Grammys. Like, put it on YouTube and I'll watch it. And I mean, that says a lot about the shift in our society, but like the SAG awards, I could care less. I like the fashion. I like seeing like the OMG moments, but I know I'm going to get it all online the next day. So I'm not sitting down to watch it, you know? Yeah. I feel that. And I've heard, uh, some stat that was like in two years, like the, uh, you know, the pre-show, the red carpet, which like E does and stuff like that is going to have more viewers or, you know, than the actual show. And I think, like you said, social media has changed it that like, I, you know, block out my day to watch the red carpet. Mm-hmm. And then if I have time to watch the award show, I will, but like, I care way more about the carpet, about the yeah. fashion, about the interviews, like what people are saying when they're doing their interviews on the carpet. Like that's what I care about the most. Absolutely. And I mean, just the little weird moments, like Selena taking her shoes off. I thought that was funny. Did you see, she like yes. fell on the red carpet, which when I saw the video of her falling on the red carpet, I was like, I wish she would have like laughed it off a little bit, you know, which we, I don't want to nitpick her because in the, in that situation, I would probably do the same thing, but also I'm pretty like goofy and laid back. So I feel like I would probably be like, Oh, just my luck. I fall on the, on the red carpet, but I love that she kept her shoes off for the rest of the night. Like she's going to present an award just barefoot. I thought that was awesome. I know. And, you know, I think when I think of someone falling and like the perfect response, I think of like Jennifer Lawrence when she tripped going up the stairs and I love her. She like, I would be friends with her in real life. She's like, you know, but not everyone like would handle tripping, you know, the same way as her. She, she did it. And everyone loved her even more because she made fun of herself and she laughed. And, and like you said, it's like, yeah, I kind of wish that Selena would have done that too. But I also like have to remind myself that like, not everyone is like, just as fucking chill as J-Law, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Will Smith won for his role in King Richard. I don't know if you saw that film about Venus and Serena. Amazing. I really feel like he's going to win the Oscar. Like, I feel that's a, it's a strong category, but I think he above and away, like just it's his year is what I'm thinking. I need to watch it. I haven't watched that movie. I've heard it's, great things about it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Jessica Chastain won for her role in um, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. She looked amazing. She was wearing like this suit and she's like a beautiful redhead. Like she has beautiful complexion, beautiful hair. I'm trying to think who else won. Oh, the cast of CODA. Have you heard about CODA? No. So CODA stands for um, Children of Deaf Adults. And the cast of that movie was actually like deaf. Like they didn't they picked people to play the deaf people. Like they picked deaf people, which was really powerful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And they gave their award speeches. They signed their award speeches and and had someone, uh, you know, an interpreter. It was, it was just really powerful moment for the deaf community. Yeah. That they casted real people in that situation. Squid game also won, I think two actors won for, for their roles in squid game. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I was, uh, I watched it through my fingers, but I did watch all of it. (laughs) I'm a little bit of a baby when it comes to that kind of stuff. But Squid Game, I mean, once you watched one episode, you were committed. Like you had to watch all of it. And I did hear that a season two is coming. So that's exciting. 
Yes. Yeah. So it was, it was a fun night and, you know, there were, the red carpet was plentiful. I mean, I feel like for award shows, you know, since now, even our last couple of award shows and even like the Met Gala, like the red carpet was sparse. Like there were, there's still a lot of people who weren't coming out. There were so many people on this carpet. And I don't know if this is like the official signaling that like red carpets are back, but there were, I mean, (laughs) it took me a while to go through all of the pictures. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I loved um, Selma Hayek. I thought looked incredible. Lady Gaga was like definitely one of my favorites. Um, I'm trying to think. Andrew Garfield looked really good. I loved his like all black moment with the little stripes. I'm looking at pictures right now because I just can't get enough of it. Yes. I (laughs) I also liked Vanessa Hudgens like green dress with the slit up the side. But I saw some people said that it looked kind of promy. But I don't know. No, Morgan, I will not stand for that. Do you know that sound going around on TikTok? That's like snap, girl, you drop something. My jaw. Yeah, that's literally (laughs) what I thought when I saw Vanessa Hudgens, she looked so good. So good. Yeah. The color on her skin tone, like her, her skin looked flawless. Her, I mean, it fit her perfectly. Like her body looked banging. Like, yes. Great. I love her little, her Bob haircut as well. I can never pull off a Bob. So I'm always jealous when I see people do it correctly. (laughs) I would look like a mushroom. It's so funny. I also loved Carrie Washington. She wore this really beautiful, like yellow, big full dress. She's stunning. And I feel like she wears everything she wears, but this particularly, I thought she killed it. You know, I didn't love Reese Witherspoon. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I said that too. In my TikTok I made this morning, I was like, this is boring. Like she's a superstar. Do, do more. Yeah. Just plain black dress with, it kind of looks like, um, like a mustache at the top, like a handlebar mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So correct. So mean to say, but it's true. You're right. And sometimes I give people like her a pass when it comes to the fashion. Cause I'm like, she's been on red carpets for decades, but then I'm like, but no, like Nicole, st- Nicole Kidman still kills it. Like she, right. I don't know. I'm just, I was definitely disappointed. I was like, this is boring. Like you can do better. Yeah. Not the best re- year for Reese, but we'll give her a pass because yeah. she's America's sweetheart. <laughs> so true. I do love her. I do love yes. her. Yes. All right. Let's talk some now about Britney's book deal. Oh my gosh. $15 million for you know, what is presumed to be a tell-all memoir. Uh, I heard that this was the biggest bidding war. Simon & Schuster ended up winning the bidding war on this book, but the biggest bidding war since the Obamas. Did you hear that? Yeah. I mean, what was there is like 60 million, I think. For two, yeah. Yeah. And then, but I mean, hello. Are we surprised like that it was a bidding war? I feel like this is the book that everybody this is the book like there's no other book in the universe besides Britney's tell all book like this is the moment, especially now that, you know, Jamie Lynn is doing whatever it is that she's doing. I feel like I'm just happy that Britney is doing it. You know, she's she's allowing her to do some, she's allowing herself to do something for herself. That's going to make her money. And she knows other people aren't going to be able to take it away from her. So it's like one, she's finally getting compensated correctly, but not only that she's got her voice back Mm -hmm. and like, this is going to be 100% Britney and she is going to make all the money off of it, which I think is just so awesome. It's such a, it's such like a, a good end. I don't want to say good ending because I know it's still going on and there's still stuff that needs to be worked out, but just 
what a moment for her, you know, yeah. after everything that she's been through to land this book deal to, for it to be $15 million for and for her to be able to tell her side of the story unapologetically and for herself, I think it's just such a huge win for her. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I saw this. I don't know if it was, I think it was on Instagram, but a tweet or whatever that was like, I don't believe in capitalism, but I feel like Brittany could have got way more. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I feel that. I was also thinking like 15 million. I mean, it's a huge amount of money, huge. but it does sound kind of low, right? I mean, for, to me, I mean, to pop culture, like aficionados, like give her a trillion dollars, like yeah. <laughs> give her every dollar that has been printed by the U.S. government. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. And, you know, for anyone listening who doesn't like know how some of these book deals go, but when like a person signs a deal for a book, they sign it with the intent to deliver certain things. So like Brittany couldn't sign a book deal for $15 million and then decide to write like a cookbook or like a children's book. Like she signed this deal worth 15 million because it's meant to be like, it it will need to hit their criteria of being salacious enough in order for them to like give her the the full 15 million or whatever. But I know some people are like, well, how deep do you think she'll go? And it's like, no, they paid 15 million because she has to go deep. Otherwise they're, they're not going to give her that money. Like, I don't know. Some people don't know how book contracts work. And I hear people being like, what if she just talks about her life in Louisiana? And I'm like, you don't understand. That's not how book deals go. (laughs) No, no. It definitely was in the ink that she was going to talk about the conservatorship for sure. Literally. I'm, I cannot wait to read this. Like I'll probably put a countdown on my phone when, when like a release date comes. I'm, I, I echo everything you said. Like, I'm so excited for this to be like the first thing she's bringing out into the world that is like exclusively hers. And I would love, you know, I watched the Britney documentaries and, you know, none of them had her in them. And I would love a Britney documentary that she like puts her stamp on. I don't know if we'll get that. Um, if we just get a book, that's fine. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it'll be like a Whitney Houston thing where like, you know, 20 years later, which Britney's not dead. I mean, Whitney's gone, but you know, 20 years later, after it's healed more, we get a documentary. I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because, because there's been a lot of Britney documentaries. I mean, it was such like a hot button topic, especially last summer when she was going through her hearing and stuff. And, you know, from what I took away from her social media post was that she she didn't like, you know, the documentaries. So it's like at this point, I am for whatever Brittany wants to do. You know, if she wants to do the sit down interview with Oprah, if she wants to do her own documentary. But I just I think that people in general and even her like need to be careful because we don't want to get her back into the same predicament that got her here to begin with, you know, yeah. like the media circus, which now, especially 15 years later, 13 years later, it's not like unfathomable to think that something similar could happen again because the circumstances are so like heightened for her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I obviously feel like she's got a better handling on things now. I hope, I hope that's the case, but I just don't want to end up where we left off. Yeah, And I, I just think whatever she decides to do, it's going to be for her and for nobody else, but her. Yeah, no, you make up a really good point. And that kind of leads me to Amanda Bynes. Did you hear that she filed to end her conservatorship that I think started nine years ago? And, you know, there's a difference between the two. And I would love to hear your take on this. But Amanda Bynes has been in the conservatorship for nine years. And but she hasn't really been working or, or doing much. When Britney was in her conservatorship, she was 
going on tour. She was doing mm-hmm. Vegas residency. She was getting, uh, you know, acting spots on how I met your mother. Like Brittany was in a conservatorship, but she was making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Amanda Bynes has been in her conservatorship, but she, she really hasn't worked or, or, or done anything. So she hasn't been a, a cash cow for, you know, her conservator. She mm-hmm. also, I heard, um, you know, her parents are, are very, um, you know, in favor of her ending her conservatorship. So I, don't know. I, first of all, didn't even know that she was in one until, you know, this week, which maybe that's a bit negligent on my part, but I had no idea. And I feel like maybe now that she sees Brittany doing it, she's like, oh, well, maybe this is my moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always said with the Brittany stuff, like, you know, people always question you know, her mental health. And yeah. I, I'm always under the, or at least I, it's not my place to speculate on somebody else's mental health because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. All I see are the social media posts, which sometimes confuse me. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say yeah. that I understand everything that she's <laughs> talking about, but at the same time, at the end of the day, if Brittany was well enough to do all the things that you said she did, you know, if she's well enough to be a judge on the X factor, to do a Las Vegas residency, then she is well enough to make her own decisions about the money that she is bringing in herself, which is, I feel like where her huge disadvantage was. Yeah. She was, she wasn't making any of those decisions and people were, you know, picking her up and putting her in this place and then picking her up and putting her in this other place against her will essentially. And then taking all of her money, which is like just 10 times worse. 100%. Like that's the key difference there between the two for me is that like Amanda, like you said, I, I knew she was put in one when she was really struggling, uh, but I didn't know it was still going on. And we really don't see much of her these days because she's been under the radar. She hasn't been working. She hasn't been doing things. It sounds like that's been good for her, but that's the key difference for, you know, between those two is that, as you said, uh, you know, they were like, Brittany, you're so sick, like go work and make us all this money. And I mean, yeah. it hasn't been like that. But if Amanda is well enough to be out of her conservatorship, I hope that she is. Yes. And hopefully we'll get a, she's all that remake is that the movie that she was in is Um, it she's all that she's the man yeah that's what it is that's what it is that's a early 2000s reference oh my gosh (laughs) such a good movie i still quote that one to my sister all the time i'll be like yes number (laughs) 1-800 which is like such a thing you would say to your sister you know what i mean yes (laughs) all right let's move on to our next story which is about wendy williams did you hear about this now wendy uh, you know, has been absent from her show for a while. She's been battling some health struggles. And, you know, we know she was diagnosed with Graves disease, which is which is horrible and, and very taxing on the body and the mind. But then she's been having people fill in for her. And, you know, the the thing we were always fed was that Wendy's coming back, Wendy's coming back. And, and people were excited about that. But we finally heard this week that the production company that makes her show is moving on. They're going to cancel her show and they're going to give that spot to Sherry Shepard. So I would love to hear your opinion on Wendy finally, uh, you know, kind of being pushed out the door. And then what your thoughts are on Sherry, uh, you know, as that villain taking that spot. Yeah, well, um, I loved Wendy, like, you know, as a as a young adult, you know, she was just I love her story because she also got her start in radio. And so I always looked up to her. You know, she moved to New York and was doing a radio show in New York and then she got her own show. And, you know, what I learned from Wendy is that, you know, it's okay to be yourself. There's no other Wendy Williams out there, you know, and she I I love the shade, but I feel like she doesn't she's not like 
too, too shady. Like she's definitely shady. Don't get me wrong. That's part of her bread and butter. But I also just still found her very like entertaining to watch and very likable, even though she's being shady. I, I just liked her show. It's a sad way to go about, you know, the end. I don't think anybody would want her to end her show under these circumstances. It would have been nice for her to be able to do like even a farewell season, um, you know, at the very least a farewell show. And especially like the, the people that work with her that also no longer are on the show because it was Wendy's show. That said, I, I think it's definitely not the end for her. I heard there's like some rumors that she's getting a multi-million dollar podcast deal with Spotify. Um, so I feel like she will crush that. And maybe that'll be a little bit less taxing for her because she can honestly do it from her own house. I mean, that's how I record my podcast. I think that's how you do it, too. But Sherry Shepard, I have not been able to watch her on the show because, you know, working in morning radio, that's prime nap time. <laughs> like when I get home, I'm like yes. right asleep. But I feel like it would be a pretty seamless transition. I mean, she's got a great personality. I feel like, you know, she's she does well on TV. I love that we still have diversity because the representation definitely matters. So I'm looking forward to seeing more from her. I like I said, I haven't been able to watch in real time, but. I definitely will. Yeah, I think what you're saying is right. I think Wendy will ultimately be fine. And I do think it's sad that she couldn't have more ownership about when she left. But I do see how the production company is kind of is like kind of shit or get off the pot type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they've held the show for a while now where they've you know had guests come in and host. And, and so I see, uh, you know, why she would be disappointed. But I also see like how they're like, dude, we, we got to decide. Like we got to make a decision. And this is kind of what we have to go with. There's no other Wendy Williams. Like you said, it's she has such a distinct brand. And, you know, daytime television is hard. I've seen so many people who are really beloved. I just read Katie Couric's book and she had a stint on daytime television. I mean, Katie Couric's beloved. People love Katie Couric and she she flopped like on daytime yeah. television. So it, it's not just about being likable or getting the right guests. You know, she talked about, you know, that she didn't really know why it didn't work, that, you know, some people can make it work and some people can't. It's just, it's an interesting time slot because you have a very specific audience of people who are at home at that time watching it. And right. you don't know what will resonate or, or not. And, you know, Kelly Clarkson is killing it. People love her and what she's doing. So you just, I don't know, daytime television is just one of those things where it's like, it's a magic potion and I don't ever know what's going to work and what's not. I'm, I'm not sure. So I like Sherry as a person. I hope that she doesn't try to be Wendy. Mm -hmm. I hope that she makes the show her own and it, they are going to rename it and rebrand it, which is good. She deserves that. But I hope that she doesn't try to be Wendy because there's there's no other Wendy. There just isn't. She has a great name for a show, though. Yeah. The Sherry Shepard Show. I mean, yes. it does not get much better than that. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty flawless. Yes, <laughs> I agree with that. So wishing her the best. We'll see how it moves forward and wishing Wendy the best. I agree. I think she'd be great in podcasting. If Spotify is going to like give her some zeros, uh, I would take yes. that. Over. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Rosie O'Donnell and Priyanka Chopra. Did you hear some about this mess? I did, yes. And I had to do a little bit of research because I actually first saw it when Priyanka made the story about it, the Instagram story. And I didn't really know what went down, but I know you'll explain it to me anyways. Yeah, so it's it, it's a little strange. Um, they were out at dinner. Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra were out at dinner at Nobu Malibu, just a little flex right there for everyone. <laughs> um, Rosie O'Donnell was at a table nearby with her son and Fran Drescher, friend Fran Drescher. And Rosie came up as they were leaving, told Nick Jonas, hey, Nick, I, you know, big fan of yours. I saw you in XYZ movie. And Priyanka, I know your father. And she's like, oh, 
And she's like, really? And she's like, yeah, Deepak. Deepak Chopra, for those of you who don't know, is like a meditation guru, like a self-help guy. Uh, Really amazing if you haven't listened to his podcast or read any of his books or anything like that. But that is not Priyanka's father. And um, it was just really awkward. And um, then Rosie went on to her TikTok and made a TikTok about it. And I think Rosie made the TikTok to poke fun at herself. You know, she was like, I made this embarrassing mistake. I, you know, thought she, you know, that they were related. They're not. And she did it to make fun of herself, but it ended up making her look really just, it made her look really bad because she was, she ended up saying, I apologize to Nick Jonas and the Priyanka or the Chopra wife. So she didn't even like know who Priyanka was. Like the, the apology was so bad. It ended up just being so bad and it made her look bad. And it made her look really ignorant, in my opinion, because in Indian culture, the last name Chopra is similar to the last name Smith here in America mm-hmm. or like Anderson or, you know, it's a it's a very generic, very common last name in Indian culture. And we don't think every black person we meet in, with the last name Smith is related to Will Smith. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. We, we would laugh at that. We know there's a million Smiths out there. We know there's a million black people with the last name Smith. Like it's a popular last name. So it, it just, any kind of like just a quick Google search would have remedied this, but it really showed, I think, ignorance on her part. And I think Priyanka handled it. You probably saw what she posted on her Instagram page. She handled it like grace class, everything. Like she was like, look, I'm, I'm not full of myself enough to, to know that everyone, you know, knows who I am. Like, that's not what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought that the apology was, was a little fake and, and that a little, you know, little Googling would have gone a long way, which I agree with. Yeah. And I mean, she even said something on that Instagram story, like, uh, maybe if you wanted to apologize, apologize to me in private first, which it's like, duh, you know, yeah. like, why would you go on TikTok to make this public apology and then just completely botch it? Like, to me, that says that she wasn't really sorry, you know? Yeah. And I think that was Priyanka's point, too, like you say you're sorry, but all of your actions have pointed otherwise. Yeah. And it's strange to me because Rosie O'Donnell is not new in the business. Like how do you you mean? Right. My thing with her was like, you, you've been in this business for a long time. She's had her controversies. It's like, how do you not know how to navigate something like this a little bit better? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on one hand at first, I'm like, why even put it on TikTok? Like, like, even if you do want to make fun of yourself, make fun of yourself for something else, you know, like don't bring other people into it and then broadcast it for the internet. But if you are going to get on TikTok and make fun of yourself, at least, you know, have the decency of, of knowing who you're talking about. Like you've already made the mistake. Don't make it twice. And then publicly, which is exactly what she did. Oh, it was so cringe. I think she needs to take a beat and just get, yeah, I really think she did it to poke fun at herself, but it, it backfired so badly. And she just ended up looking so stupid, so stupid. <laughs> like, ooh. I think Priyanka, I, I think the world of Priyanka, I think she really is like a classy lady. And I think she handled it like perfectly. Yeah. And they have a new baby to worry about. I know. So, Priyanka, if you're listening, don't sweat. Rosie O'Donnell and just worry about your beautiful new little baby. I know this was probably their first like date night out since they <laughs> had the baby and like, look, at I this. know she's go wild. To, go to Nobu Malibu, like a regular celebrity. You know? like, <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last story, which is about Pete leaving Instagram. And I feel like we could go down a big rabbit hole with this one. What did you think he was going to stay on Instagram? Honestly, I did. I wasn't expecting him to come and then go as quickly as he did, especially now that he's dating Kim. You know, everything is on the gram. But when I uh, 
when I was like researching into what he posted, did you see what he posted like right before he left? Yeah, yeah. So it was like a little behind the scenes of his new movie, The Home or whatever. And he's like, they're letting me add my own dialogue, yada, yada, yada. And then he said something in in a hashtag like, this is what you can expect to see or something. And of course, I mean, you know him and Kim were talking about PR strategies because this is such a classic move, you know, like get this Instagram as soon as all this turmoil is going on with Kanye and Kim and Pete and whatever. And then all eyes are on you right now. Like all eyes are on you. So you're going to post one thing. It's about your new movie. And then you're going to delete your Instagram. (laughs) Like he knew what he was doing. Him and Kim definitely had talked about their marketing strategies because that that was a ploy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think we, Chris Jenner has definitely like opened up the wing and is like, yeah, Come to me, young <laughs> yeah. Pete, like let's get you in on like Jenner communications. here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which, and- if that's the case, he'll be back at least, <laughs> you know, anytime he's okay. got a project, he'll be doing that. So true. You know, the Kanye of it all, like I said, I'm sure we could go down a rabbit hole of this, but I was listening to another podcast this morning where, you know, I think mental health is important. And I think it's obvious to anyone that that he's struggling with his mental health right now. So I, I struggle with how much to comment on it or whatnot. But I also believe that we can't give this man a pass because what he's doing is blatant harassment at this point. And I know you made a TikTok, I think it was last Friday or, you know, at the end of the week that was like, can you tell I'm over this? Like you're you're sick of talking about it. We're all sick of talking about it, but I don't think we should stop talking about the fact that like what we can't give up a pass because what he's literally harassing her and he's harassing Pete. And I put myself in, in Kim's shoes. Like if, if I had an ex, you know, husband, who was doing what he, you know, doing to me, what he's doing to her, my family would be really worried about me. My family would be like, we need maybe get some legal action. Like my friends would be worried about me. Everyone around me would be worried about me, but because it's just Kanye being Kanye. And I'm like, no, this is predatory. Like almost like this isn't okay. Yeah. And I think it's also just interesting that right now out of all times he's promoting his new, you know, Gap and Balenciaga line. He's promoting his new Netflix documentary, which I have to say, I agree with you 100% that it's like just gone entirely too far. It is harder for me to like fully get there because only because, and I, I know that it's wrong. Trust me. I've been such a fan of his music since I was in middle school, like my favorite rapper. And so I watched his documentary and he, you know, he's, he's been through traumatic life events and, and he is smart and he is talented. So when you see him do this kind of stuff, it just, it just really bums me out even more because you know, you know, something deeper is like going on. And it's like, if you could just get it under control, you would be so great. But like, this has to ruin it for you. And it's like, does he use it? you know, as a way to get people to watch the documentary, to buy the clothes, or is this really an issue that he struggles with? And I feel like we don't, I'll never know the answer. So it's, it's just, it's just interesting to think of it, like from all different angles, because you truly just don't know what's going on. I would argue though, he's, what you're saying is correct. Like he's, he's so talented. Like be, he doesn't need to do this bullshit. Like right. he, he would be a superstar. Every, the world would turn and look at him regardless of all this bullshit because he's that talented. And yeah. I haven't watched Genius yet. I'm waiting for them all to come out because I like to binge, binge yeah. And, uh, but I am going to watch it. And, and I'm, I'm ready to feel the things that you're saying 
but I also like, I think of his music and, and yet I don't think anyone, you know, that has their finger on like the pulse of music would argue that he's not a genius. Like he revolutionized rap music in in the early two thousands and in the late nineties. And, and he is a genius. That's why I'm just more so like, you don't, you don't need to do this. Like you, yeah. you, you are a genius. So stop acting like a fuck. Like it's yeah. necessary. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. There are, there are people who need to, to be idiots, to be relevant. He doesn't need to be an idiot to be relevant. Yeah. And I will say the first two episodes, you know, show his hustle, his drive, you know, how he made his first album and and the the promo for the next episode, which isn't out yet, is all the controversial things he's done. So I'm glad that he is going to address it. And, you know, he did go on his own social media saying like that he wouldn't release the documentary without his final approval. So I'm really interested to see how they'll play out that last portion, knowing that, you know, this had to be Kanye approved. And I just want to, I just am excited to see that. Yeah, we will. We'll have to see. All right, Morgan, that's going to take us through our trending topics. It was so great to have you. It's fun to talk to someone else. Normally I'm just talking to myself about all this shit, but it's good. Oh, to have trust me. Else. I do it every week too. I'm like, can I get a friend, please? <laughs> I love that. Tell everyone where they can find you on Instagram, on TikTok, and then tell everyone as well about your podcast. So uh, TikTok and Instagram, it's Morgan P Talks, T-A-L-K-S. You know, all things reality TV and pop culture. And then my podcast comes out every Thursday and it's Morgan's Pop Talks. It's a podcast brought to you by The Dip. The Dip is great if you love pop culture, reality TV, entertainment in general, female founded. So all love to The Dip. And then, of course, like I said, you can find me on Morgan P. Talks and my podcast on Spotify and Apple Pods and Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Yay. Thank you so much, Morgan, for joining me. Thank you for having me. So much fun. That was radio personality and pop culture guru Morgan P. from Morgan P. Talks. I'm going to leave links to all of Morgan's info in the show notes. So find her on Instagram, on TikTok. Check out her podcast as well on The Dip. I will have all of that linked below. If you enjoyed today's episode and are enjoying the show in general, it would mean the world to me if you went to Apple Podcasts, left the show a five-star rating, and wrote a review about why you like it. It is so important for the growth of the show. It's been really great to see those reviews come in and to read them all. They put a smile on my face and just really uh, is meaningful for the future of the show. So thank you so much to everyone who has done that so far. And if you have not, please, 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 I'm giving you a hug from afar. It would mean the world to me. You can keep up with me in daily life on Instagram. I am at Carrie.Gillespie. You can follow the show on Instagram as well, at CandidWithCarrie. You can also find me on TikTok. I have been ticking all the talks lately. My username there is at Carrie.Gillespie. For more information on the show, on me, on all of our past guests, you can head to CarrieGillespie.com. Thanks so much, y'all, for being here. I love each and every one of you for being a part of this community. I will be here same time, same place next week. In the meantime, be kind to others and make good choices. Bye, candies.